Welcome to an Enlight on Extra. Normally these extras are kept for subscribers only, but I'm opening this one up just for a short time, maybe a week or two or a month. I'm not sure, but I will eventually lock it back up for subscribers only. But uh, I wanted to give other people a taste of what I do. And uh, also I think this information is important for people to know. So I wanted to give people a chance to listen to it. But if you enjoy this A Light On Extra, please consider subscribing. It's only $2.99 a month, and you can support the podcast and uh, get a bunch of bonus material. I do these little mini episodes, so check it out. You might like it. So there's a new movie out called The Sound of Freedom. It's been publicized everywhere for a few years now, actually. And... You know, of course, everybody's jumping on board. Everybody's super excited that they're putting child trafficking in the spotlight. You know, well, your first clue there that something is really wrong is that child trafficking is in the spotlight. You know, I noticed right away they they got this guy, Jim Caviezel, talking about Q, Q conspiracies. And unless you've been asleep for a while, you know that that's one big psychological operation right the whole q thing was to get people on board with trump and you know um believing that he was some magical savior you know from i don't know what the theory is like he came back back in time or he's from the future i'm not really sure um it's really pretty ridiculous so by now you should know q is is stupid they made a lot of promises they never delivered on they had a lot of people uh, just say things and get people worked up and uh, kind of sitting on their hands really was the major objective uh, the entire time they were taking advantage of people, you know, because Trump was going to come out and save them. There were going to be arrests. Hillary is going to Guantanamo Bay, you know, all this complete bullshit. And so Jim Caviezel's, you know, uh, reiterating a lot of this stuff, you know, just in time for the election where Trump is involved. Wow, what a coincidence. So he's getting the Q-tards, you know, riled up again. And he's like, you know, now Trump is going to come back. He's going to come back. And, you know, Q is in full power more than ever. You know, we're, we're putting, a, you know, the pedos on the map. And uh, we're, we're putting this movie out there. And it's, it's a great thing. So, of course, nobody is against putting this out there, right? Like... We, we want people to know about this. It's a serious issue. But immediately when you mix it with Q, which is already not respected by so many people on both sides, it, it puts a negative spin on it. It puts a spin on it that it's a, it's a stupid conspiracy theory, right? You have a serious issue like child trafficking that goes on every day. And you're going to mix it with this thing that is primarily viewed as, especially on the left, as a, um, you know, a stupid conspiracy, right-wing conspiracy. So that's what it's going to be marketed as. The second he involved Q and, you know, they mixed it all up in that whole thing, it's immediately going to be a joke. And remember, the media is not going to show you anything they don't want you to see. So you have to ask yourself, why do they want you to see this movie about child trafficking? And there's a number of reasons. That's one of them. They want to make it look stupid. And also, you know, they've done it for so long now, I think, that, uh, you know, they have they have this thing where they reveal the method, revelation of the method. 
And it's kind of a ritual to them to put this information out there. And it's almost like, you know, thumbing their nose at us, you know, laughing at us. It's like a giant troll. And you can see people like Charlie Kirk, you know, the right wing talking heads putting out stuff on this. Rolling Stone published an article. Sound of Freedom is a superhero movie for dads with brain worms. Right? They're they're shitting all over the movie and they're creating this dialectic, right? The minute you see this stuff, the minute you see something published in Rolling Stone and this stuff all over the media and, you know, the kind of uh, main alternative media talking heads posting about it, you know that they're creating a dialectic. How could you find something wrong with a movie that is about an individual's heroism to save a child from child sex trafficking. Well, the media is now in full out attack mode. As we predicted, they're trying to say this is a QAnon film. And you have to think why, you know, why are they, why are they doing this? They want people to fight about something, right? They want the people who love this movie against the people who think this movie is a stupid conspiracy theory to fight, right? And then something is going to be synthesized out of this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. But people are not thinking about this. They're just, you know, they're just elated and, you know, buying tickets galore for this film. And I've gotten so many hateful comments on Instagram about this. It's ridiculous because I posted I posted a clip where Jim Caviezel, in my opinion, was obviously acting badly um, during an interview. And I didn't think anything of it because I thought it was obvious to everybody. And I'm a professional actor of over 20 years. Okay, I've been on major motion pictures, television. I've done industrial videos. I've done, you name it, I've done it. Theater, okay. I'm, uh, you know, I wasn't necessarily an A-list celebrity or anything, but I have a lot of experience. I know what it's like when somebody is acting, when somebody is acting badly, especially, and when they're reading off a teleprompter. So I don't think Jim Caviezel is a bad actor. So it's kind of it's kind of weird that I saw these clips. And I want to I want to play some of these clips. They're they're very, very strange for an actor of his caliber. This is the best interview I've ever had in my life. I love your line of questioning and um, getting to what what is real. I hooked into Tim has a childlike quality to him. And I stay with that innocence, and that, and don't take that innocence as weakness. Or, uh, and um, when I read the scripture, I, I feel truth. 
good, evil, and I find the good, and let that just pierce the darkness. I got to tell you, when I first saw the opening to that podcast, because that's the opening of this Jordan Peterson podcast, I literally laughed out loud. I, I, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world because there's no way Jim Caviezel is speaking from his heart in that clip. And the, the interview goes on like that. So I was like, okay, there's something going on here. This guy is rehearsed or reading off a teleprompter or trolling us. And we'll discuss the possibilities in a little bit. But I was already very suspicious and looking at this whole thing like it was a psyop. So seeing this raised a huge red flag. And Jordan Peterson, of course, he was kind of like a darling of the right. You know, he was seen as more of a like a right wing darling over the the years prior to the uh, the pandemic. And then, uh, you know, he totally dropped the ball on everything that he claimed to um, to stand for, in my opinion, by promoting uh, the vaccine and, uh, you know, not really standing up for people's rights in what he said. So a lot of people see him as compromised now. I certainly don't trust him the way that I that I may have before. So it's very odd, you know, seeing this pairing. I hooked into Tim as a childlike quality to him. And I stay with that innocence. And that, and don't take that innocence as weakness. Or, uh, and I hooked into Tim as a childlike quality. Or, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> like, what is he talking about? That sentence doesn't even make sense. That is what you get when you're reading off of a script or a teleprompter. And you don't know where the first sentence ends and the next one begins, right? That's like when you're not rehearsed and uh, you're not good at cold reads. Like there are some actors who are really good at cold reads, meaning you just got the script and you're going to go for it. And others who are really good. I'm really good at cold reads. Like you can give me a paragraph and I'll probably nail it in uh, in one take. But if you're not you know, depending on the script, or if you're not good at that, you you end up sounding like Jimmy here. <laughs> There's something very wrong here. So why why is it that a number of actors, why in your estimation did a number of actors turn down the opportunity to play the role? What and 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 why and why did you decide to forego that risk and to and to climb aboard? I foregoed the risk because when you have uh, three children that you loved and you'd give your life for. It kind of connects into Tim Ballard, and Tim did this for this little girl and the children that he saves. It's something uh, is a greater purpose that even your career, uh, you know, like I, I went through this with Mel Gibson when we did The Passion, that my career was the last thing I thought of. What I thought about was the God I love. And I put this, and how I look at it is, is that this God that I love, that he loves me and he deserved to be loved back. And so I, I would be nothing without him. He gave me my purpose in this life. So, uh, 
So more very strange speaking style, very disjointed, like he's reading off a teleprompter. And I want you to notice how he's, he's very much um, looking forward, looking straight. He's very stiff. He's not, you know, he's not looking around like he's accessing his memory or his thoughts or anything. He's just looking very straightforwardly. And notice the change here coming up. There's going to be a change where he breaks away for a second and he does look around. And I want you to notice the difference in his speaking style. Nothing without him. He gave me my purpose in this life. So um, the, the Tim Ballard, I was very fortunate that he had seen those um, films. And um, when I looked at, and I think Tim made this comparison, um, Schindler's List was a very... A powerful weapon. So it seems like he's going off book for a second here. For a brief instant, he goes off book and he does look around. He's got more eye movement, like he's accessing something from his own memory. But quickly, he goes back to staring straight ahead and talking more rehearsed about Schindler's List. Uh, it's very odd. It, it seems to me that he is, um, you know, very much on a teleprompter and just for that brief moment he was kind of freestyling but then was quickly like oh okay that's all i got and then i'm going back to the to the the script here about schindler's list and i noticed you know a lot of cliche language that's a big red flag for me right cliche language that you know is going to like kind of pull at the heartstrings of people, um, using Jesus and God and, and things that would appeal to the, the right-wing conservative side of things, right? Mainly the people who are uh, in the know on this subject, who are paying attention to this subject, who know what's going on in the world. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's a thing that is actually studied in, in like, you know, forensic language, uh, when you use a lot of cliches and, and things like that, it's very kind of rehearsed and fake and, uh, you know, you're doing it to get an emotional response. And I see a lot of that in, in the interview. And I encourage you to watch that whole interview. I haven't watched the entire thing, but I mean, it's he's just out to lunch. Now, why might this be happening? Well, there's a couple different possibilities. One of them, as I see it, is that this is a giant troll. They're trolling us. They're laughing at us. They want us to know how stupid we are. Because here's this guy. He's a famous actor. And he's acting so badly. And so many people are believing it. They're eating this shit up. And believe me, they are. I've seen it on social media. People are going crazy. They're so happy about this film. And for the people who see, who have an extra layer of perception... Right? They will see Jim Caviezel acting like a total moron, un barely able to speak, and it'll be, I mean, they'll be furious over it because they know that this guy's not serious. But one thing that's curious to me is Jim's opening where he's like, this is the best, this is the best interview I have ever had. I, I love all your questions. Like, they are so amazing. <laughs> that makes me think he's maybe sort of trolling Jordan Peterson. Like, he doesn't want to be there. Maybe I'm being too conspiratorial. I don't know. You can tell me what you guys think. But that's a really odd statement. That's like, that's making light of something there in that moment.
This is the best interview I've ever had in my life. I love your line of questioning and um, getting to what, what is real. So that to me is a complete inversion right there. That's like being super sarcastic in my opinion. Uh, he's talking about Jordan Peterson being the best interviewer ever. Um, and then also saying, oh, getting to what is real, meaning this is complete bullshit, right? If you take that as a sarcastic remark, he's saying this is a complete joke. Jordan Peterson's a joke. This is the dumbest interview ever. You know what I mean? It could work both ways, whether he's uh, being forced to do this or he's just trolling us. Or the guy could be completely MK Ultra. That's also a possibility. I mean, that shit is real, right? We had an episode on this. Go back and watch my uh, episode on, uh, you know, with Colin A. Ross. Very real stuff. So those are some possibilities, right? He could be uh, part of the Luciferian cult that goes on in Hollywood as well. And there's some evidence for that. There's, you know, he's got the left eye pictures out there which doesn't necessarily mean anything. I talk about this all the time. Some people will see those pictures and automatically think that person's involved, but you don't know what went on during that shoot. It's normally the photographer who is directing the actor, and the photographer is being directed by the producers or the studio, whoever is the magazine, whoever is the actual client, because the actor is not the client. He's just an actor. He's modeling, so he's being directed. Uh, but they can throw in some suggestions, right? Throw in some poses. But normally that's the client's decision, like which is the final photo that is used or group of photos that are used. They typically make those decisions. Now, if you're a big actor, maybe you have something in your contract. Maybe your agent made a deal. Uh, oh, you get final say. Uh, or you have to come to an agreement on what photos are usable. So, the, you know, there's some variation there, but typically the actors act. They're kind of just like moldable pawns, you know what I mean? So I'm not saying to totally disregard those types of photos, but I want people to be more discerning about them because I see a lot of people who are blanketing all actors and anybody with a photo like that. You know, sometimes people scratch their eyes and they're like, oh, he's a Luciferian. You know what I mean? It's It, it gets kind of crazy. And I, you know, I know for a fact not everybody in the industry is involved in Luciferianism or Satanism. Uh, that's a little crazy. It's getting a little out of hand with that stuff. So we have to put together like a grouping of information and be discerning, right? One thing people don't realize is that with these sort of psyops, they do mix in a lot of good people in with the perpetrators. Or they even blackmail people. They they force them to do that. He could be forced to do this and he's making it so bluntly obvious to people. I think that's a possibility. You know, if we don't want to expect the worst of Jim, maybe. So, you know, that's how Epstein functioned. Epstein had uh, cameras all over his mansions. And whenever these high-profile politicians or actors would come in, you know, he would have everything on tape and he would have blackmail against them. So when you have somebody blackmailing you, you know, some of these people might be judges, some of these people might be who knows what, right? If you have somebody blackmailing you, you, you have to do whatever they say, right? Or they're going to out you. 
uh, a lot in politics especially works that way. So Epstein was a prime example of that. That could be a possibility. And I will say, you know, I've always liked Mel Gibson. He seems like a very down-to-earth guy. Um, it strikes me as odd that he's involved in this. Be considering the things that he said in the past, you know, he made remarks about the the Jews starting all the wars and, uh, you know, they kind of killed his career for a long time. So you don't typically say that stuff when you're part of the cult in Hollywood. You know what I mean? And he struck me as somebody who was existing outside of the cult. And he very well could be. Like I said, they pull in good people for these endeavors. And that way, you know, it gives them an extra layer of protection against criticism too because oh well Mel Gibson's involved and you know he's a Christian and um, you know he's done all these good things so you never really know that's if you remember anything that I say it's like you never really know what the what the real deal is because there's so many variations uh, and their job is to pull in good people right all of these psyops all these controlled opposition attempts they very much pull in good people. They, it's a mixed bag. So we may never really know the whole truth. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And maybe Mel Gibson is not a good guy. Maybe he's not. Maybe he is part of the cult. I don't know. Maybe they set up the whole thing with his drunken arrest for this purpose. I don't know. It seems kind of a long game, but uh, we never really know. We don't know what's going on with these Hollywood elites and all this stuff. So, you know, use your discernment and... and be skeptical of everything and everyone, really. But so you might be asking, why are they doing this whole movie? What is this whole attempt about? What is this revelation of the method thing I'm always hearing about? It is a very strange thing. I want to read a portion of a book that explains it pretty well. This is a book called Secret Societies in Psychological Warfare. It's written by Michael Hoffman. Here's a portion that says, Ceremonial Psychodrama. In 1449, the French nobleman and Gnostic Magnus René d'Anjou at the court of Tarascon staged a series of pas d'armes, curious hybrid amalgams of tournament and mask, in which knights went through the motions of tilting at each other and at the same time performed a mysterious species of play or drama, the plot and end of which were never entirely clear. These beautifully crafted and staged plays were actually a form of psychodrama. 
those who watched or partook of the ceremony were subtly influenced by these dramatic rituals. Nowadays, the engineering of the mind and the transformation of humanity is not quite as edifying or nearly as artistic. The contemporary programming of, hum of humanity is now accomplished by means of cheap dialogue and scenery as mundane and mediocre as magazine advertisements for whiskey, as Dr. W.B. Key documents in Subliminal Seduction, whereby the figures of Eros and the dance macabre are scattered microscopically in the science. I'm going to skip ahead here to this section, Mind Control and the Revelation of the Method. It is here necessary to point out a fallacy which has succeeded in defeating many genuine ecological rebels against modern tampering and the occult philosophy and organization which powers it. These are a rare breed to begin with since the vast majority of researchers who start out in search of the truth about these big themes end, like so many other avant-garde thinkers and activists, succumbing to the egregious tyranny and mind-napping that lurks beneath the facade of the liberal occult operation. But a few escape this net only to blunder blindly into another. They become trapped in the fallacy that exposure of the methods and personal involvement in the cryptocracy's crimes is, by itself, a tremendous step toward overthrowing the power of the cryptocracy. If only we could get some of the facts out in the open, is their refrain. I would reply that the process of hermetic cryptocracy is not stagnant. It is engaged in a remarkable project set into motion millennia ago, an operation which has accomplished most, if not all, of its chief goals with awe-inspiring dispatch. In the beginning and middle stages of this operation, the hoodwink was a key to accomplishment of objectives. Generally speaking, deception is far less necessary today. Quite the contrary, the cryptocracy has actually been determined to reveal many of its greatest secrets to us, profane ones, for some time now. Veteran independent occult investigators were astonished at the massive disclosure in the 1970s of some of the deepest and most profound secrets of the Masonic Neoplatonic Hermetic Academy, secrets reserved in some cases for thousands of years for only the highest initiates. Two books by the English writer and... Ordo Templi Orientis, Initiate, Kenneth Grant, The Magical Revival, and Aleister Crowley and the Hidden God, and another by the aforementioned Robert K.G. Temple, The Serious Mystery, revealed secrets of the highest magnitude which have been vigorously protected and hidden at some cost to human life for centuries, and in the case of Temple's book, Millennia, and they were published with the knowledge and approval of the Masonic Hermetic heirs to this knowledge. Independent researchers have seldom noted the significance of these revelations coming from occult groups and even advertising agencies, which, in a demonstration of macabre nose-thumbing at our complete indifference to our mental enslavement, have actually pointed to the subliminals in their own liquor ads. These actions signal our entrance into an entirely different era of alchemical process. As I wrote in Apocalypse Culture... In the brilliant wordplay of the mythical Masonic figure Dr. Syntax, we come to the current unfoldment in must be, an alchemical term Mr. Downward translates as the revelation of the method. This alludes to the process wherein murderous deeds and hair-raising conspiracies involving wars, revolutions, decapitations, secret archaeoastronomic deity cult worship, and every manner of 
horror show are first buried beneath the cloak of secrecy and then, when finally accomplished and secured, slowly revealed to the unsuspecting populace who watch, deep frozen as the hidden history is unveiled. In the circulation of manuscripts, the revelation of the method is accomplished. Truth or consequences... Downward is acutely aware that in exposing the conspirators, he is probably serving the final dictum in their alchemical formula. But Luke 8.17 predicts this, so if man doesn't act, God will, soon, sooner or later. In the meantime, exposure itself does not defeat the cryptocracy because given the degraded and atrophied nature of modern man's perceptions and insight today, such revelations may only serve to strengthen the cryptocracy's mental hold. The record shows that the recent revelations of occult crime have almost never been accompanied by arrests, prosecutions, convictions, and punishment of the initiates involved. Hence, the reputation of Academy Invincibility is heightened by the revelations. Moreover, the spectacular nature of the crimes revealed carry a highly charged aura of the violent and erotic, and in the final analysis, when ex exposed to public attention, only become further grist for the seemingly limitless public appetite for shock titillation and passive voyeurism. Mystical toponymy. Exposure without action against the perpetrators of the crimes revealed devolves into a kind of perverse advertisement for the prowess of the cryptocrats who are seen as having performed fantastic feats of criminal enterprise with a genius that renders them immune from the consequences. So I hope you guys kind of understood that, and I hope it came across okay. It's kind of written strangely in parts. Um, but essentially, these revelations of the method are a sign that they're moving on to bigger and better things, right? That they're secure in doing this forever, and they'll throw it in your face, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's a, it's a sort of boasting that they get pleasure out of um, and then they get more uh, energy focus and attention from the population you know on a movie or whatever product that they're pushing they they get off on on directing your attention right and and they feed off that energy but it is it is very much like a boasting and very much a ritual, right? Like they explained in the book about the knights tilting at each other. A lot of the stuff they do harkens back to their old rituals. So they have new, more modern day type of rituals that they do to harken back to their, to the good old days, you know? And also it is a spiritual law that you have to reveal something in order to sort of escape some kind of karmic retribution. You have to reveal what you're doing first and tell the public um, so if they continue to buy into it, then, you know, it's their own fault. It cannot come back to you. So that's also another reason this is done. Although I don't know how well that's going to work for them. Um, but that is, that is a big part of it, I think. And that's why you see them revealing things before they start lying about it, right? We saw that with the, with the scamdemic. They would tell us everything. You know, you, you would get a lot of the truth up front. They would say COVID was a hoax. We saw Trump say that. Uh, we had, uh, 
you know, certain doctors telling people what they were doing with the mortality. They said they had a liberal approach to mortality. Um, you know, they always tell you first and then they change their minds, right? The, we had Fauci saying that masks don't work, right? Remember, he said masks don't work. You don't need a mask. Um, he gave you the skinny on the mask right up front. And then he came back and he inverted it like like a Satanist would. Yeah. And he said, oh, I only said that because, um, you know, we didn't want to run out of masks and, uh, you know, all this other nonsense. And then it's your fault for for buying into that. If you if you believe the nonsense that comes after the truth, it's your own fault. That's how they look at it. So I hope this is making sense to you. I know it is confusing and we never know what exactly they're doing if they're revealing before or after but we do also have to pay attention to what they're synthesizing out of this if they are creating a dialectic then we have to make sure that we pay attention to what their goal may be and something they've been trying to do for a long time is actually microchipping children it happens in seconds. Moms and dads, you know that feeling. Your child gets lost in a store, maybe just wanders off for a second or two. Your heart stops, though. Panic sets in, and you think the worst. It's happened to most of us, but what if you had a secret weapon, an extra layer of safety, so to speak? How far would you go to keep your children secure? Would you be willing to microchip them? Experts tell us the technology already exists. Turns out one Bay Area mother is all for it, and she shared her story with our Melanie Michael. Hey guys, good evening to you both. You know, chances are if you have a four-legged family member at home, it's already microchipped. And if the technology exists to save Fido in an emergency, what about microchipping your child? Before you say, no way, I would never do that, hear one mom's story. It's the longest two seconds of your life, and it's absolute panic. <laughs> Back. We've seen it in movies. This is my daughter! Over and over again, children gone missing. It's terrifying. For Stephanie Rodriguez-Neely, life is busier than ever with four children, including a newborn. She knows scary situations can happen in an instant. And for her, it has. If it'll save my kid, um, there's, there's no step that's too extreme. Stephanie's teenage daughter is a special needs child prone to wander off and trust strangers. For that very reason, Stephanie wholeheartedly welcomes microchipping a child. If a small chip the size of a grain of rice could have prevented a tragedy, I think most parents, you know, hindsight would have said, I wish I would have done it. But Stephanie is in the minority in her Tampa Bay mom's group, where other mothers call this too sci-fi and invasive. You're putting a battery in your kid, you're putting a chip in your kid, and where does it stop? Turns out the technology to microchip your kids has existed since the early 90s, but hasn't really caught on. Is it a little too science fiction for you? Very much so. A well-known technology expert out of Boston tells us microchipping poses little to no health risks and would act as a barcode of sorts. Without question. It could save a life, uh, reunite a family, uh, find a missing Alzheimer's patient. I always tell people, as long as you're doing what you feel is best for your child, y you're not really wrong. 
And guys, this is what we're talking about, the microchip. I don't know if you can see it in my hand. It's the size of a grain of rice, very, very small. And the expert that we spoke with actually tells us that barcodes were introduced in the late 1960s, and back then people thought, uh, this is way too invasive and too weird, and now barcodes are so commonplace that we don't even think about them anymore. The expert tells us this will happen sooner rather than later. Well, and Mel, you said that the technology's been around since the 90s or whatever, but, I mean, have companies actually tried this? That's a different scenario. Two of them. Two of them, as a matter of fact. Both of those companies ended up uh, going defunct. They tried initial public offerings. It did not go through. But you can bet somewhere, someday, someone is going to pull this off, and we could see those microchips in everyone. That's interesting to think about. Melanie Michael live in Tampa. Thank you for that report. Barcodes? Wow, why don't you just put serial numbers on our forearms? <laughs> it's insane that they would even put that on the news, and that's an older clip. Uh, but, yeah, they've been trying to do that for a while, and it seems like, you know, it hasn't caught on. So they would need some major publicity to get people on board, and now people are stupider than ever, right? They they had them, you know, they, they convinced people not to breathe air, so why not try and introduce this again, you know, now that everybody's, you know, totally mentally retarded? Let's go for it, you know? Put a movie out about child trafficking, get everybody scared about their kid, you know, inject that same fear that they always do. Yeah, buddy, I can see people doing that. They're dumb enough. Break out a few celebrities, you know, have them talk about how they microchip their kids or want to microchip their kids. Here's Brooke Shields back in the day. See, I'm not really thinking about it in terms of sports as much as I would love to put one in my kids. <laughs> Just to know where they I, are? I know, like, I know it's creepy and really futuristic, mm -hmm. but I, my dog has one. Right. And she ran away and ended up, like, so we live downtown, and she ended up, like, in Harlem. Mm -hmm. And they, somebody did deliver her to a, a facility, a, a place, and they scanned her, and then they found us. And I honestly am not completely against chipping my children. Have you, have you? I love how they keep comparing children to dogs. <laughs> that says a lot. It says a lot about what they think about children. And in all of us, really, they look at us as animals. That's how they, that's how they treat us. We're the profane ones. We're, we're no better than animals. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Especially children. Children are their food. It's disgusting. And of course now we have much better technology than these little rice-sized microchips, right? 
um, they're already talking about nanobots and, you know, probably already pumped a bunch of those suckers in people, right? Let's be honest. Uh, but you got Ray Kurzweil, as I always mention, you know, talking about uh, pumping nanobots into people's bloodstream. And, uh, you know, so they function like a cell phone and we will never no longer need cell phones. Uh, so, you know, they, they can come out with this new <laughs> new thing and uh, get people to inject themselves with who knows what to track their kid or whatever. And who knows what, you know, who else is tracking your kid? And they'll, they'll know where all the children on the planet are. I'm sure they love that. Who knows? There's all kinds of possibilities. So in conclusion, I want to say I, of course, am not against putting the word out about a serious issue like child trafficking. No way. Of course, you know, like I've discussed it in in many different podcasts. But are you sure your money is going where you think it's going, right? If you buy tickets for this film, do you know what the goal of that film is or the people involved? Do you want to end up funding something like trafficking? Well, if the answer is no, then you should really have more discernment and uh, you should scrutinize things a little bit more because I see people jumping on this stuff, you know, without a thought or a care in the world. And I don't know about you, but I don't trust these people. I used to work around them. So, um, you know, if you want, go ahead, see the movie. But uh, I would be leery of, of spending my money on it. It just has an icky feeling to me. Um, I think Jim Caviezel's acting very weird. People involved are acting very weird. Strange people are involved. And again, the involvement of the Q narrative is a big, big red flag. I can't tell you how many times I tried to tell somebody about virus isolation or something based on science, and they asked me if I was a QAnon. So it does discredit real things and people trying to get real information out. And let's just use our brains a little bit more because it's often the people who are saying they're trying to help that are really doing the harm. We know this or we should know this. So I hope that gives you at least a little bit more perspective. If you enjoyed this A Light On Extra, please consider becoming a subscriber. It's only three bucks, cheaper than a cup of coffee, and you get little bonus episodes like this a couple times a month whenever I get a chance, and uh, you can learn something new. So uh, if you did enjoy it, hope you do that and share with your friends uh, so they can learn this information as well. I want to thank you all for being subscribers and for listening to the podcast. This has been An A Light On Extra.